Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life with your host Avik. This podcast is all about exploring the latest research, sharing personal stories and providing personal tips for improving our mental health and well-being. Each episodes will be joined by experts in the field of mental health as well as individuals who have experienced the transformative power of a healthy mind firsthand. Together we will dive into a range of topics from managing stress and anxiety to building resilience and cultivating happiness. So, join us on this journey to discover new ways to take care of our minds, bodies and souls and let's work together to create a healthier, happier world one episode at a time. So, let's get started. Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind Healthy Life the podcast that is dedicated to the art of cultivating well-being and embracing a holistic approach to the life I am your host Avik and in today's episode is a profound journey into the realms of spiritual wellness relationships and the soul growth yes joining us today is a remarkable individual a beacon of wisdom and the healing yes i'm talking about Hana Spanke So welcome to the show Hana. Thank you so much and thank you for saying my name right. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. So so Hana like before uh, we start our conversation today because the today's topic is very very important and uh, I believe there are a lot of things we can discuss in this topic and uh, people should also be aware about this. We'll be talking about uh, gender conditioning and also its impact across the diverse backgrounds. but before we delve deeper into this topic uh, i would love to mention this to all of our listeners that uh, as a spiritual life coach and tantra practitioner and the relationship expert hana has dedicated her life to guiding others on the path to divine union and sexual healing so her unique approach rooted in the spirituality but non religious has transformed the lives of over 200 clients so turning the childhood trauma and the heartbreaks into the opportunities for the profound soul growth so her work is a testament to the power of resilience and the self discovery so in our conversation today we will unravel the secrets of navigating the complexities of life fostering the healthy relationships and also achieving a harmonious mind body spirit connection so whether you are seeking a personal growth or navigating the relationships or simply exploring the profound depths of your own spirituality this episode is a must listen so get ready for the insights that will inspire the transformation and lead you on the path to a healthier mind and a more fulfilling life so stay tuned as we delve deep into this transformative journey with the incredible hana smake welcome to the show again hana Thank you so much. What an intro. That was fantastic. I'm so excited for this conversation. <laughs> lovely, lovely. So, Hana like uh to start with like if you can share your perspective on uh what gender conditioning means and also like how it manifests in the individuals across different backgrounds. Mhm. Yes. So, just in general, the way that I would describe gender conditioning means you know we all know this we come into the human realm as a man or a woman and so yeah. we are predisposed with certain things right you have certain body type you have certain um 
projections from society, certain expectations from society or your family or, you know, everything that's around you in the world. They expect a certain thing from you, whether you're a man or a woman, and those things are different. And so um, a lot of the standard conditioning we hear is like boys growing up, boys don't cry. There's a lot of emotional repression for boys turning into men. And there are very select emotions that men are, quote unquote, allowed to feel like anger or horniness or something like that. But outside of that, um, when it comes to maybe sadness or fear or things that might feel more vulnerable, those are like no-nos. Those are like no-go zones. And then for a woman, I see a lot of the gender conditioning for women um, very tied to her sexuality. And it can really show up on either end of the spectrum where she's, um, it's like a damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of a thing. Um, where she's either conditioned to be, she is hypersexualized. Period. In in cultures across the world, um, where the the female body is seen as something to either um, over exaggerate, where it's like you know strip clubs and porn culture, or it's the other end where it's seen as something to like hide and um, um, subdue in some sort of way because it needs to be like uh, kept kept a secret. And so that for many women, and I'm just speaking generally, can show up as a disconnection from our bodies in a way where we see the world as threatening in some way. We either need to be overly sexual in order to survive, or we need to hide our sexuality in order to survive. And so um, those are some general ones that I see for men and women both. Understood. Understood. So in your your experience, how have you witnessed... Uh, the gender conditioning shaping the lives of the individuals you work with, uh, taking into uh, account the diverse backgrounds? Mm-hmm. Yes. So um, it's interesting because I, I, I am a non-religious person. I don't uh, subscribe to any one specific religion. And I was raised in a household with no religion at all. I was like, I was a hardcore atheist. I laugh when I say that now. I was a hardcore atheist until I was probably like 18. Um, I was very rude about it too. Um, but, uh, it's interesting because that is my background. I seem to attract clients from a very diverse, um, background when it comes to religion. I've worked with people who are, um, very, very Catholic. They were raised like by the book, like, you know, church four days a week, all their whole entire life, like Catholic Mormon, um, a lot of Christian, a lot of Christian clients of various different denominations and, um, I've even had a few different Muslim clients. And so all across the board, it is very interesting to me that they're so different. The things that people learn, the things that people um, are taught in their upbringings, but how the essence of all of it, like the the gist of all of it is the same, where there's, there's a desire that can't be put out in every human to connect with the partner that they want to share their life with, with themselves, with every part of their body, with, you know, they want to feel at ease in life, in flow with life, with themselves and in relationship to others as well. And what I notice when it comes to diversity is the, I'm picturing like a puzzle. If you can picture a puzzle with me, if we say a human being is a complete puzzle, what I notice is that through all of our childhoods, we all experience something that leaves us as adults with kind of like a missing puzzle piece that we have to fill in. We have to heal. We have to do our work. What I see with different backgrounds is it's like maybe with a Catholic upbringing, this piece is the one that's missing. 
but maybe with a Hindu upbringing, this is the one that's missing. And so I tend to focus less on the specifics of like this and that and this and that and put it into categories. And I just see it as kind of the sameness in all of our upbringings, regardless of how different they might look, that all of us are seeking wholeness, all of us are seeking connection, love, and all of us have one or two missing pieces that we need to work on as adults. Okay, lovely. So, I mean, how does the cultural context influence the way gender conditioning is perceived and experienced? So are there any uh, Mm. uh, commonalities or uh, distinct differences? Yes, actually. So a woman, um, I love this question. A woman I just worked with recently, she's Muslim. um, And she was raised very strict in her family all the way up until probably she was 30 or so. And she started to distance herself from some of the traditional um, things a little bit more. But um, what I notice is that in more traditional cultures like that, versus like American culture, you can't even define that, you know, it's all over the map. (laughs) Um, Muslim culture, you can define that, you know what it looks like. And so for the most part, so it's like, um, cultures that I notice that have very strong traditions, tend to be more accepting of gender conditioning, where it's just like, it is what it is. And it works. This is the man's role, this is the woman's role. And we experience things differently. And that's okay, because we're different. And it just, it just is sort of accepted and integrated, and it works. And then what I see more in American culture and like the West in general, Canada, America is like a rebellion against the gender conditioning where it's like, I don't want to be put in this box. I want to be put in that box. And there's more of like a a pushback against it. And that's what I notice is a major difference between cultures. Exactly. Exactly. Very true. So, um, uh, I mean, what challenges do you often observe stemming from uh, the gender conditioning? Uh, and 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 along with like what the what are the break breakthroughs have you witnessed in your clients? Yeah, I think the biggest one, and this applies to men and women equally, is seeking the part that you don't have cultivated in yourself in another person. Okay. So it's like if a man, for example, has been conditioned to be a little bit emotionally repressed, like maybe he's not comfortable being vulnerable in all ways uh, with all emotions he might seek out a woman who is kind of emotionally chaotic (laughs) because he's trying to fill the void of that lack of emotional connection in himself. So he's reaching for it outside or maybe a woman who is um, very uh, she internalized a lot of stuff around sexuality. Maybe she has made herself too available, you know, and has been hurt by it. And so she'll seek out men who don't approve of her. Because internally, there's no sense of structure. There's no, there's no sense of um, boundaries within herself. And so she'll seek out a man that like externally represents the way she's supposed to be like with the boundaries. And so um, those are just two random examples. But that's the biggest challenge I see is we, we become adults, we realize, okay, something doesn't feel quite right. My relationships are hard in this way or that way. And something is off. I don't feel good. I don't feel the way I want to feel. And so we start maybe to try to heal, we go to therapy, we read a book. But until you reach a point in your healing journey where you can take full responsibility for for those things, we tend to try to plug the holes with somebody outside of ourselves. And um, the breakthrough is that the divine union, you know, Shiva Shakti, the divine union that we all want externally has to happen internally first. And that is the work for men and women both across the board. Lovely. 
So, I mean, how does the gender conditioning impact the relationships? And uh, what advice do you offer to the individuals who are navigating uh, these challenges in their personal and the professional lives? Mm-hmm. I think this is kind of a kind of a sneaky one that we don't talk about enough is how, let me see, I don't want to ramble these words, how men and women internalize the conditioning of the opposite sex. So it's like, for example, I said the whole boys thing, boys don't cry. Women also internalize that belief. And so you're in an adult relationship now and the woman, very stereotypical, she's like, I want him to share more. I want him to be more emotional. I want him to be more empathetic. Why doesn't he talk to me? All that kind of complaint. We've all heard it. It's in the movies, you know? And then she gets that from him. He's like, okay, fine, finally. He breaks open. He's vulnerable about something. Maybe he's crying. Maybe he he exposes some part of himself. And then even though consciously that's what she was asking for, deep down, she might have kind of a repel reaction to that because her own internalized belief that men don't cry. And so we have to be able to see our blind spots in it for the opposite. So it's like a man might um, want his woman to be a certain type of way, present herself a certain type of way because it seems more respectable or, you know, something of that nature. But is he himself respecting her in that way? Or is he seeing her as something that he should have, have access to in some, some degree? You know, and so it's like we can't project onto the other to heal from those wounds without also taking responsibility to clear those things in ourselves, too. Exactly. Definitely. So uh, if you can also uh, share some light on uh, how the factors like race, ethnicity, uh, socioeconomic status intersect with the uh, gender conditioning creating a unique mm. set of challenges for the individuals. Yes. So obviously I'm a white woman, <laughs> you know, so I have a very limited personal experience I can speak from. But um, one of the more extensive trainings that I've done, it was about a three-year-long um, practitioner training around Tantra and, and sexual healing. It was an anti-racist institute, and there was a big focus in the curriculum on um racism in America, at least. And so what I learned through that process is that for people of color, particularly the focus was on black men and women, but people of color across the board, there tends to be um, what I would describe as kind of an intensity to those same gender conditionings where it's even like stronger. It's like maybe because, and this is just me kind of thinking about it right now, maybe because there are so many other factors that a black man or an Indian woman, for example, might have to face that I, for example, wouldn't, then those gender conditionings, it's like the boxes they get put in are even smaller and tighter because they're under more pressure societally to to behave a certain way with okay. more expectation around how they present themselves. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Understood. Understood. So, um, uh, like, I, I also, uh, about the empowerment strategies. So how do you empower individuals to break free from uh, the limiting gender stereotypes and uh, cultivate a more authentic sense of self? Mm-hmm. That's where the spirituality piece comes in, for sure, is um, being able to kind of transcend the perception 
that this is all there is <laughs> because when you're stuck in traffic or something, it's yeah. really easy to have a 3d moment and be like, ah, and like kind of lose it because this is all you can see in that moment, you know, yeah. but when you're, when you're able to connect to something higher, whatever that is, and it could be something, it could be a religious, um, affiliation. It doesn't matter to me, but as long as you can connect to something that plugs you into the truth that this is temporary and this is an experience you came here to have, it's not something that um, needs to be attached to in every single moment. It allows us to have like a hopefulness that we can change. We can have the life we want. We can heal. We can do the work versus the sort of defeat that can come with realizing that there's work to do and just seeing the 3d like physical world we live in and being like, wow, how am I ever going to do that? Look at the world we live in. This is going to be hard, you know, but when you're connected to something higher, something that, that feels like a purpose on a heart level, like, you know, you're part of something bigger. It can be a lot more motivating to show up for yourself to do the work because you know, you're contributing to the whole. Understood. Got it. So, uh, what practices or initiatives do you recommend for creating a more inclusive and supportive environment that acknowledges and respects the diverse gender identities? Mm -hmm. um, by gender identities, what do you mean specifically? Any gender, uh, like, uh, I mean, uh, what what kind of uh, initiatives would you recommend, like, uh, to any any of the gender uh, identity? Um, well, I have some pretty strong opinions on some of that. <laughs> and um, a big part of my opinions is around women's empowerment and female empowerment, and that women need to be um, able to have women's only spaces. And so that's one of the things that I really, I personally contribute to in that realm, I suppose, is like when I'm creating a course or a program or something. I am very conscious that it might be safer feeling for the people who are going to be involved if it's men only or women only or something like that so that they can um, kind of let their guard down in a way that doesn't, you know, when you're, you're a man being watched by a woman or a woman being watched by a man, we behave a little bit differently. You know, we, we, we adjust ourselves a little bit because we know we're being seen by someone that is different than us. And so I really just like to create spaces that are very, very clear from the beginning that we are all the same. And then when it comes to differences, like physical differences or cultural differences, if I had a group of 10 women, for example, and they all had different backgrounds, different cultural condition or cultural upbringings, um, religious upbringings, what I like to do is an exercise that connects us to our empathy for one another on a human level. Nothing to do with color or size or background or age, but human. And so I'll do something where we all raise our hands to the camera and you can do this in your own family. You can do this with your friends. Like it's a great easy exercise and you can improv it a bunch of ways where it's like, have you ever lied to a girlfriend? All the women raise their hand. Has a girlfriend of yours ever hurt your feelings? All the women raise their hand. Have you ever been let down by your mom? All the women raise their hand, you know? And so we share an emotional human experience, regardless of what the external looks like, regardless of what our, our beliefs might be. And that's where I like to start anything that I do from so that we are anchored into that connectedness first. Got it. Understood. Great. Uh, 
so uh, before we uh, wrap up like any vision for the future what changes would you like to see in uh, how society approaches and understands the gender particularly considering the diverse backgrounds mm-hmm. i would like to see everybody in the world <laughs> be really really conscious of the fact that these are all costumes <laughs> you know we're all wearing a costume we're all playing a role but again it's that higher connection if the whole world was connected to the fact that we are all coming and going back to the same place essentially then i think that there would be a lot more inclusion naturally i think there would be a lot more um cohesiveness in how we relate to each other um a physical border like you know america mexico it it wouldn't mean what we what it means now because we would know that like on this side of the border or that side of the border the people are the same we come from the same and so um that's that would be my ultimate hope is that the whole world would have some awareness of our connectedness because i think when you are connected to somebody else and a good example is like your family members for example we're all connected to someone we all have someone we feel connected to we're more conscious of our impact on them versus someone that we don't know we're less conscious of our impact on them and so if we felt like we knew and cared about everybody on a soul level if we felt that all the time i think that everybody would move a little bit differently in the world more conscious of how we impact everything and everyone around us got it that's lovely so thank you for joining us on this insightful journey into the intricate layers of gender conditioning and its profound impact across the diverse backgrounds so today we have delved into the nuanced experiences that shape our understanding of gender roles and the expectations exploring the ways in which cultural societal and personal factors intersect to influence our perceptions so as we unveil the complexities surrounding gender conditioning we encourage you to continue this important conversation i mean uh, in your own cycles so by fostering the uh, understanding and the dialogue we can collectively contribute to breaking down the stereotypes and fostering a more inclusive and the equitable world so remember the journey towards uh, dismantling the gender conditioning is ongoing and every conversation brings us one step closer to a world where individuals can express their authentic selves without the uh, constraints of societal expectations so thank you for being a part of this exploration and until next time stay curious stay compassionate and keep challenging the narratives that shape our perceptions so this is avik from healthy mind and healthy life signing off stay healthy stay happy thank you so much thank you